Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. Jennifer Albright. Once again, Tim is not with us. Um, he's at the Vintage Computer Fair, or he might be building with Legos or something. Um, he'll be back soon, I promise. But in the meantime, we have a really great guest who brought me an incredible film that I really enjoyed. Uh, it's Julia Cheval. Thanks for coming on, Julia. Yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, Julia is also a supporter of the show. Um, you can join her and other cool people on patreon.com slash have you seen this. Uh, two bucks a month gets you really cool bonus content. And we're already thinking about the next uh, tier that we want to offer to our subscribers. So uh, stay tuned and check us out there. All right, Julia, I love what you brought me because this was such a sweet and affirming and wonderful movie. Uh, what are we talking about? Um, today we are talking about a film called Beautiful Boxer about Nong Thum, a transgender or Katwe trans woman in Thailand who quite honestly has an amazing and remarkable life and had a hand in the making of the film. And I don't know, I just think it's a really interesting film and I think it deserves to be on Have You Seen This? Because it's a film about trans women in sports that came out way before any of the nonsense transphobia that is really defined um, that aspect of American social life in the past decade. Yeah, this movie is interesting because it, um, I mean, it definitely came out before the, um, I think it, it hit the States in uh, about uh, 2003, I think. Um, it definitely came out before the, um, what people were calling the transgender tipping point, mm -hmm. uh, such as it was, and definitely pre a lot of um, trans awareness the real awareness of trans issues for the mainstream i think spread quite a bit on social media um and for better or worse has kind of led us to the point that we're at now in terms of the discourse so um this and so this was really refreshing to see julia what inspired you to uh focus on this movie like is this um you know do you do like academic work you know in this field or you know is it just like hey you know we need to talk about more stuff like this yeah, so I do academic work on like Central and Southeast Asia. I actually like specialize in like Iranian and Persian culture um, and like Afghanistan. But I study like all of South Asia. So like all the way from Thailand to like Iran, like that's kind of what I do. But like I, I was interested in this film because it seems very natural today that we that like the modern transphobia that like trans people experience primarily has to do with things like military service or, or sports. And I think mm -hmm. that's really stunning to me because this film really like shows there was another historical path that we could have taken. Like when I think about the trans tipping point for me, it's like Caitlyn Jenner, right? In reality television. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like she's done terrible things for trans people. The other really interesting thing that I love about this is that it offers a glimpse into maybe another way that we things could have gone. 
because Nongatum is a boxer, and we all know, like, about both, like, the actual popularity of, like, UFC and, like, Muay Thai and, like, the MMA, but also, like, the weird mm-hmm. way that, like, this has been incorporated into, like, kind of ironic, like, Twitter discourse. Um, yes. <laughs> with, like, like the YouTube show, like, Fighting in the Age of Loneliness. But anyway, like... Which I loved. I loved it, too. Big ups to Felix for that one. Yeah, he, wonderful. I watched it, like, early transition, and that's actually how I started, like, exploring this, because, like, I was transitioning, and I was desperately lonely, and I saw this documentary about loneliness, and, like, I watched it, and, like, I did not see anybody like me in that entire thing, mm-hmm. and I thought that was so strange. But then I, like, kept watching, and I kept doing my own research, and I kind of got, like, weirdly into it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how I discovered like Nong Tomb and other trans boxers. And because they're like in this reality television space, it's just as like likely that they could have become famous and become a media sensation if just some random thing happened like before Caitlyn Jenner. And that's really what did happen in Thailand with Nong Tomb in like 1997, 1998, 1999. Like much of Thailand's gender acceptance is because of not just because of her, but in the modern, like, 21st century, definitely has been shaped by her and figures like her. And it's so interesting to me that, like, the stere- like the transphobic logic that literally, like, gets trans people killed today and is that, like, you know, we're weak or we are sick, when it could have been so yes. dramatically different because in another country, it went so radically from, like, you are a cursed sinner under the, like, the laws of, like, Buddha to you are strong and capable because to be trans means you literally have to like protect yourself and people are trying to beat the shit out of you and i i think that's really inspirational and i like to think that even if things are bad like you know there's a very clear mm-hmm. capacity for things to have been different and because they could have been different we can make them different yeah and um and that's part of the reason why the movie is so affirming and uh, actually people um should recommend it to any egg that you know i have a friend who's who's <laughs> currently um dealing with um like gender fluidity right now and yeah. I recommended it to them very wholeheartedly um because it is very touching the way through uh tomb's journey that she's able to tra- like kind of transform these negative cultural messages into like a positive and affirming one for herself um one that um and she's able to transform the um often brutal and violent masculinity that she has to take part in to something beautiful and graceful um also um you know the message that she gets where um and i and Julia, maybe you can hold forth on this a little more. Um, there's a belief for some that, uh, for um, I think people in Thailand who are um, trans or third gender, that the reason is that they did something in a past life. Yeah. And so that they have to suffer in this one. That's a, that's a theme that comes up in the movie. And it's something that Tomb kind of like just accepts. But, you know, then her journey becomes more about her you know, realizing like, no, I'm going to protect myself. And, um, you know, I can do it by being strong and feminine at the same time. But Julia, I don't know if maybe you want to talk a little bit more about um, trans women in in Thailand, so we can kind of get like a a little cultural background. Yeah, so yeah, I think this is really good. And then we can like get into the plot. But Mm -hmm. essentially, like the two things you were pointing at, that you mentioned is like this belief that to be trans is kind of like a curse. Um, and the other belief that you are, so, wait, yeah, 
being trans is a curse and like the third gender or like the cat toy. Um, so mm-hmm. the first idea is that- And that term is, um, cat toy is a term for um, a, a woman who, a trans woman who hasn't actually transitioned yet physically. Yeah. That, yeah, that's kind of how it's used today, but I think it's really better to kind of just use it. So, like, if you talk to, like, trans women in Thailand, a lot of them, mm-hmm. even, like, post-op, will, like, accept that term because doing, like, getting SRS or gender reassignment surgery or, like, getting, like, the operation, whatever you want to call it, like, mm-hmm. it isn't really connected to that term, which is far older and has a far longer, richer cultural history. There are a lot of trans women in thailand who call themselves transgender and there are a lot of women who are a lot like them who were assigned male at birth who do not call themselves transgender and consider themselves a second type of man um okay and that's really what i think is so interesting because nong tomb i really think is more of what we might call a trans woman her she is clearly transitioning and in her personal life she clearly transitioned and I think she is straight and has like children mm-hmm. and is like very, very set on being a woman and claiming being a woman. But there are many trans women who kind of reject that. And like Cat Toy is like literally translated as like lady boy or something like that. And that shot pops up right. in like, porn all the time in Western culture or like in jokes about Thailand. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it's kind. That's kind of that's kind of a a, a negative cultural trope. That yeah. term. Yeah, and like even in Thailand, it's like kind of brutal. But what I think is interesting, this kind of connects to like the belief, like with Buddhism, is that it's this idea that because you did something wrong in your past life, like you are going to be reincarnated as like a, a soul. That is the belief is that like the soul has a gender. Mm-hmm. In like, for example, in like India, it might be the idea that like the soul is kind of a neutered thing. It has no gender. But mm-hmm. in Thailand and Iran, there's this idea that the soul has a gender and a right body to be in. Um, and there's a lot of different theories about why there is that kind of belief, but no one really knows. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's worth speculating on. Um, but needless <laughs> to say, like, it's really complicated. But I really try to, like, always, I think it's really, like, we can, like, try to, one of the problems with, like, Western trans discourse is that we always try to, like, pin people down, like, are you cat toy? Yes. What does cat toy mean? Are you lady boy? What does that mean? Are you a trans woman? Are you a binary trans woman? Are you... And I really like, quite frankly, like I have friends who are non-binary trans women and I have friends who are binary trans women, but do not look like what you might consider like a cis woman. Um, yeah. And so like in practice, it really doesn't matter because what really actually affects your life is whether or not the people, what the people around you think you are. And so, like, trans women in Thailand and Katoi, they have the same life, the same problems, the same mm-hmm. issues, and the same enemies. And that's why I think this film is so great, because that isn't, you know, like, the central conflict of the film. The central conflict is really about Nong Toom, her boxing, and her enemies, and the people who are seeking to hurt her, mock her, and corral her. Mm-hmm. And, like, regardless of what you are, that is something that... I don't know. I think it's a far more dynamic and enriching story. Yeah, I think that's great, and um, it, and I think that's that's really important to keep in mind with um, Western trans discourse, and um, already too many people have kind of come at like um, a lot of the 
you know, kind of queer youth on, on Tumblr and, you know, the questioning kids and, you know, again, they're like, they're young people. They're, they're just figuring out their identity. And then on top of that, to be queer questioning or trans is like, you know, that's like a whole other set of problems, which is maybe why, um, when kids get into these spaces, um, these the maybe the first affirming space that they've ever had like they tend to get very intensely into like drawing lines and making categories and making flags and you know they got mocked a lot for it and like yeah and you know the way i look at it is like yeah it's kind of extra but like they're kids yeah my response to that is like like to be quite frank like what trans people had going like 20 years ago like i'm fairly young um but what trans people had going like 20 years ago, it wasn't better than all of these flags and categories and names. Right. And what I like about this film is that like it completely, it completely circumvents the issues in Western discourse. Because like, quite frankly, I don't like all of like the kids with their, like the kids with flags, but I also don't like what existed before. Right. And I don't think that trans people or queer people or non-binary people are ever going to agree on like what that means or how to define it or like where to draw the lines. And I really don't think we should. What mm-hmm. I like about this film is that like watching it and just like taking in a little bit of another culture's experience of transness mm-hmm. lets us step back and escape and, and, and breathe for a moment. And like the other appealing thing is that like in our lives, like if you're a trans woman, um, like, what are you supposed to do against the people who are hurting you that have like political power? Like we're too small of a minority to ever have like gay rights because of like economic wealth. Like they can, we are too small to ever be represented accurately, particularly in the United States because of like racism, segregation, Mm -hmm. colonialism. Like we will never have political power and we will never have any kind of like weight that people have to respect. And I know that's kind of cynical, but I think it's true without like alliances and a serious movement oh along with like sex workers even if they're remembered oh right 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 yeah again like another yeah. another group which is often the very first like thrown under the fucking bus mm-hmm. you know uh, like so many so many uh trans people have to turn to sex work because they're just barred from anything else you know yeah i know a lot of trans people and uh, maybe half of them are sex workers um mm-hmm. the rest are like either literally unemployed or in academia and like that's like those are the things you can do um but in contrast to like our situation here in the united states like in this film we see a trans woman who is strong and kind of cheeky and kind of fun literally beating the shit out of people and like winning and being strong like how fucking amazing is that like here in the united states what do we get like rupaul yelling at a trans woman or like fucking caitlin jenner literally killing someone like that's bull we need people that we can look up to and nong tum is an incredible person with an incredible life story yeah and um you know usually when um i i just kept thinking of you know and i'll I'll admit it i just kept thinking of a movie that i haven't seen um the danish girl um Mm. and, and i was thinking about how um how this movie, how Beautiful Boxer kind of um, deals very compassionately with Tomb's dysphoria, as opposed to something like, um, you know, the the Danish girl, which is uh, seems like really like fetishistic and fucked up, 
and like yeah. really overly concerned with the minutia of like you know trans women's bodies whereas in this movie it's just kind of more matter of fact but you know there's no um i don't know like there isn't there isn't really a fetishizing of tomb like she's like you yeah know, she's just the protagonist you know we're we are along with her instead of you know just like gawking at her and we talked a little bit about this off mic how um if this were an american film i can't help but feel that it would not be nearly as positive or kind you know american films either have uh tend to be a little detached because they're um you know we're so media saturated and you know our movies tend to will often take like a sort of ironic detachment or knowingness um and with uh asian films at least the asian films that um get imported into the into the united states um they tend to be a little bit more you know open-hearted they don't shy away from sentimentality you know or or messiness at all which is like really which is really heartening to see and telling like this person's story yeah so like i've seen the danish girl and i honestly like i had a lot of problems with it but if i could just like talk about two scenes that i really want to contrast that i think like exemplify exactly what you're saying please do there's a there's a scene um in the danish girl where the danish girl and i don't remember her name and her partner um are about Lily to have sex Elba, i think yeah so uh, the yeah lily yeah. and her partner right mm-hmm. yeah so lily and her partner are like about to have sex and it's that guy who is in Lame is and he like looks gorgeous and that's the problem is that <laughs> his partner <laughs> like no like really like his partner is like about to like she's like kissing his chest and like going down on him and like about to and like lily the character like she stops her partner from like performing like oral on her and like giving her a blowjob and is like really afraid and like that's a good and that's a realistic thing for like a pre-op trans woman is being like no don't do that i would rather you don't touch like my dick um but the issue is that like the actor is man is like a man and he's like masculine and sexy and he's like this beautiful well-known actor and he's like being fetishized in that moment and what is not like what we're watching there really isn't like a trans woman asking her mm-hmm. partner to like not give her dysphoria. What we're watching is like a scene of sexual denial, like in Fifty Shades of Grey or something. Like it's right. not like really what yeah. it's we're not seeing what we think we're seeing. But right. there's this scene like very early on in Beautiful Boxer where Nong Tum as like a little boy comes out covered in like leaves and like palm like leaves, feathers and like palm tree bows. <laughs> yeah he's like singing in front of his like mom and sister his brother and his dad and like his mom and sister are like clapping for him and love the performance and he has like his mom's lipstick like like messily drawn on his face and his dad is like god i hope he doesn't turn out to be one of those cross dressers and it was like <laughs> a sweet cartoning like scene where like you see like a child actually experiencing like dysphoria in a very realistic way just like in the other film but yeah you're yeah, watching because, the thing that you're watching. Yeah, because like in the, you know, I, um, obviously like early on, like as a, um, you know, and you can, you know, you can tell me if my, you know, if my impressions are wrong, but like, you know, as a child, um, the unselfconsciousness of a child um, trying on um, 
their preferred gender expression. Like it's just mm-hmm. gonna, it's going to be completely, you know, innocent and open-hearted. Um, now the, and the messier, um, you know, kind of moments where, um, you know, Tuma's dealing with uh, dysphoria. Like, for example, there's a, you know, when um, some of her friends from the the boxing training camp take her to a prostitute, and mm-hmm. it's less about her. You know, it's of course like, hey, bro, we're gonna get you laid. You know, but um, it's there's more of a of a moment between her and the sex worker where you know the sex worker disrobes. And she sees her body and, you know, it's like there's, there's a longing not to, you know, she, not to fuck this person, but, you know, it's like, that's, you know, this is how I see myself and that's, I want that to be more commensurate with, you know, how I feel, you know, and it, she has a similar moment with a, uh, uh, an yeah, ass- you're exactly right. I think that's really beautiful. Should we like talk about the plot real quick? Yeah. Um, maybe, um, you know, since God, there's so much to talk about with this wonderful movie, (laughs) like, you know, just like, just so many like great, interesting themes and visuals. And, you know, it's nice to talk about a trans story that isn't like tragic, you know? Um, so we're, you know, we definitely wandered a little bit, but, uh, Julia, do you want to maybe, uh, give us kind of like the capsule summary of it and maybe tell us a little bit about Nong Tomb? Yeah, so um, Nong Tomb was born in 1981. I don't remember their dead name, um, but they were like assigned male at birth. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nong Tomb grew up in like a really poor peasant household in Thailand, and as she like grew older, started presenting like as a trans woman. Like in the scene we just mm-hmm. talked about, where like she cross dresses in front of her dad. Mm-hmm. Her family is really poor, and they have a child that they think is like a catway and they want to fix it like they want to fix their kid and so they send nong tomb away to a buddhist monastery mm-hmm. which is just like an incredible thing to like have happen like think about it like in the latter like the last like few decades of the 20th century this child is just like sent to like a buddhist monastery to be fixed and like learn discipline and so nong tomb goes and that's really where you start to see like kind of this elegant femininity emerge through like training that would eventually like serve her very well in like Muay Thai boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the really pivotal scene is that she goes to a, yeah, like a theater troupe play in town with her friends um, while going to the Buddhist monastery. And one of the performers who are all women drops lipstick on the stage. Wait, no, that's earlier in the movie. Or am I getting it right? I think no, you're right. I think that's it. And lipstick is a lipstick and lip gloss are um, recurring. It's a recurring visual motif in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Lipstick is laden with significance in this movie. Yeah, red. Like everything that like Nong Tomb does is red. Like that is her color. Yes. Um, and so she grabs the lipstick and goes back to the monastery and like tries it on, and she gets caught. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, she gets caught by, like, another boy who tells, like, the monk who makes her go out later that night, and they're working at, like, a stand, and I think Nong Tomb is, like, working with one of her friends at, like, a stand, who Mm -hmm. is a woman, Um, and a group of boys, like, begin messing with Nong Tomb and essentially challenge, like, her living as a him at the moment to, like, get in the ring, and, like, she gets, like, the shit beaten out of her, but she continues to train and like get better. So she, she, she keeps winning basically. Yeah. And yeah, that's like kind of the amazing thing. And it's based on like a true story. 
And the other really interesting thing about Nong Toom is that she was born in 1981, but she had a national level of awareness in 1997 and 98 because she was 17. And I think she won. Yeah, I think so. That was a, yeah, she won a national title or for like youth Muay Thai boxing. Mm -hmm. And that's how she got her renown. But she was SRS like immediately after winning that title and she did get it in 1999 I think right which is like yeah I was I was actually surprised like that is is that um pretty young um for uh, trans women in that country I mean I know obviously in this country like um you know letting you know kids and teens be trans is like a fairly new development but um like, I would imagine that, you know, in, in, you know, leaving aside, like, any, like, um, you know, cultural uh, barriers to it, you know, family resistance or whatever, like, um, would, I, I would imagine there would also be, like, a, an economic component where it would be difficult to, uh, you know, get the money to actually pay for, you know, reassignment surgery, which, you know, that's, that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of what the story of this movie turns on. Um you know, Toom often has uh, very mixed feelings about participating in the world of boxing, but she is obligated to not only because of her dream of, uh, you know, getting sex reassignment surgery, but uh, her family is very poor and she needs to support them. Yeah. And I mean, she was like a son of like a peasant family. Like it was supposed to be her job to like either support her family or have been like sent away to the Buddhist monastery mm-hmm. and then like support somehow. And that's really like the two like driving like goals in her life. And they're really intertwined. Yes. Um, and they have their own like inner conflict because she has this responsibility to take care of her family in like a patriarchal society, but is also a trans woman with this incredible talent that is also patriarchal. Mm-hmm. It That's what I think is like so interesting is that she like, for all intents and purposes, because she is a trans woman, she should not have lived the life she does, have had the success she could. I mean, she did have, mm-hmm. but because she just was born with this, like, incredible raw talent mm-hmm. and had such training and, like, had such disciplined training at an early age, she was able to make a career in a hostile field. But, you know, like, she was also, like, eccentric, and Thailand had a really interesting response to her transness because at the moment that she transitioned muay thai in thailand was actually like kind of in a decline and so it was like a popularity thing mm-hmm. and trans women in thailand don't have that great a life but they are relatively expected respected right. um and part of that is because thailand has used them as like an advertisement for their country as kind of like this exotic thing to come and see like the third gender women mm-hmm. and I mean, Nong Toom fit in perfectly with that because she was in a heavily, like, media-dependent industry. She was very, very clearly visible in, like, a very masculine place where she would wear lipstick and, like, cheeky little pink boxers when fighting, like, these very, like, square-jawed, wonderfully cut men. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, go ahead. No, well, I was going to say it is interesting because... um... I don't really have much of a frame of reference for this, you know, coming coming from it as like, you know, a westerner, but um like Thailand is often like the butt of jokes um for ha- even having like the mildest acceptance of like of 
trans people and like um i wonder just like how much of it uh jeez this is a hard concept to get out i mean i guess i guess what i find so interesting about it is not only you know obviously in thailand there is a you know or any country where um trans people are becoming more accepted or have been like historically accepted as as a category of of person um there's also like ambivalence and then you have like this the american viewpoint of oh haha thailand you know that's where they have the ladyboys dude you know like if you go you know if you be careful you know at the same time it's also like kind of more welcoming to like because i know i know like with all the trans people i know i know trans people have actually been to thailand and this was many many years ago probably where at a time when it might have been like harder to get i mean not as easy to get srs now but like you know it would have been harder to get it in the states you know people who went um you know for like exploratory reasons like maybe this is an option for me or or you know they were just drawn like because of the culture like hey you know they they like sort of accept people like me like that's crazy i'd like to take a look at that you know but like it's like the it's yeah like it, it i always like joke about it i say it's like the mecca for trans people the thing that is really interesting is like yeah it's kind of like upsetting because there's always going to be like this insulting like degradation of the fact that a country is like more open and accepting and in- interesting than your country mm-hmm. um but the other thing that i that, that that does give it some like weird benefit is that it's like $3,000 to get like SRS in Thailand. Right. And most of the doctors are trustworthy and most of them are good. And whether like, and if you're Thai, like that's kind of a lot of money, but you can get it if you have like, I don't know, some remarkable talent mm-hmm. or you work for like a few years or if someone helps you out, if you're a sex worker in like a touristy location. Mm-hmm. And if you're an American, like you can just go there and get it cheap, free, and you don't need to do all the bullshit you need to do here and like talk to to psychiatrists for a year which is an enormous like medical and i mean like yeah expensive burden on people yes um in a, in a yeah, country with for-profit like, health care yeah like you have to like see like two psychiatrists like pay anywhere from like 300 to 600 dollars a month Ugh. for like a year straight yeah on top of rent like for a lot of trans people along with the cost of hormones and health care that's prohibitive. Like, it, you will not transition. Yeah. And but if you can save, like, three grand, like, yeah, go to Thailand. Get it done. Yeah, and that's, um, and you know, um, the movie isn't especially heavy-handed at all about it, but is absolutely, like, woven into the fabric of this film. It's just, like, the, like, economic circumstances and how they shape our lives. You know, I mean, Toom's, like, poor upbringing obliges her to pursue whatever she can in order to earn money. So it's like, hey, boxing can make me a lot of money, and, you know, I feel a little ambivalent about it. Like, it's very violent. There's a part where she says the reason she kisses her opponents is because she doesn't like to hurt strangers. You know, this is a very, like, compassionate person in a blood sport. But she has to do it, you know? It's like, it's not not just for herself, but for her family. Um, You know, they touch on, um, you know, Mac fixing in the movie um a friend of hers uh betrays her because he's trying to throw a match in his favor in a, like it's a, a really beautiful scene too um like the the economic 
realities are just woven into like every like every part of the story and um yeah and in, and especially like for you know us as americans who like to fool ourselves that we're living in like a classless society it's like um you know our i think in a lot of ways our cinema doesn't like to touch on that like it's too uncomfortable but mm-hmm. you know in this movie it's just like hey you know like you're poor you work you try to get money you help your family you know um and 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 then there's the part where um she where tomb is is punished like when she's still uh in the monastery for you know oh yeah. if the head monk finds out you're working like you know he's gonna beat you or whatever where it's like oh well it must you know it must be nice to just be able to like live like a spiritual life without worrying about like material things but like i got a family <laughs> you know i'm poor i have to bring money back to my family like i love that early scene yeah and like that's one of the things that makes this movie so good is that like, her transition is, like, a running and dynamic set of, like, events and a long-term process that gives her meaning and some some sense of purpose along with other, th- other things in the movie. It's not all she is. And, oh, gosh, I was going to say something about, like, the economic aspect. Um, but, like, talking about it and just thinking about this film, it really, like, honestly reminds me of, of like, the Rocky movies. Like, the first mm-hmm. Rocky movie specifically. Where you have this person who does not necessarily want to be doing what they're doing, but they just like, they're just born like born this way or like curse this way with this strange and painful talent for them to deal with that lets them take a lot of hits Mm -hmm. and beat the shit out of people. Um, And you can see that in Nongtum's life because as soon as she wins and like has a career in boxing, she gets SRS and then she tries to, like, launch a career as a singer in 1999. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes as well as that can for, like, a trans woman boxer in Thailand. Yeah. Um, and she continues to box for a while. And she does participate. And then she, like, does, like, almost immediately move to the women's world of sports and Muay Thai in Thailand. And also internationally, because she ended up in the Netherlands at one point. I don't know. I just think that's so interesting is that she did this because she had to yeah and that is what life is for so many trans people like sex work like getting your job like everything you do is determined by this like raw fact of your birth that you have no control over and nong Tum is so appealing as as a figure to watch in film because she takes that takes that like kind of like curse and burden but i don't know i think really the message of the film is that like her curse is not so much her transness as it is like this position she's been forced into because she was assigned male where she has to fight to become female but like doing so in itself is like i don't know it's a it's a hard thing to navigate i think that's something that's really important to realize as uh one listens to the experiences of trans people you know we think um if you're cis you know um you're fortunate in that you're assign gender, you know, will, will, you know, pretty well, like, match up with, you know, how you perceive yourself. So to that end, like, we don't realize, like, like, our gender is absolutely assigned to us um, as soon as we're born. And for so many of us, um, you know, it's like, well, okay, like, I'll roll with this. And then for um, people who, for whom it, you know, it isn't commensurate, you know, then you have, like, the entire force of society, like, bent on you, like, trying to tell you, no, you are something that you're not. And I, that's a huge thing that I don't think, like, cis people realize. Like, I don't think that they understand, 
you know, how constructed like our gender identities are like from an, an early age, you know, we just, we, uh, yeah. like we literally believe that like, well, you know, pink is for girl and blue is for boys for like evolutionary psychology reasons, you know, like, you know, uh, that's, that's just yeah. what girls like. That's evolutionary just... psychology reasons, you know, like that should be like tagged onto like every single gendered product there is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, yeah. I mean, you don't even have to delve back that far into history to see, um, you know, how like, you know, the way that we gender young children, like has, has changed. I mean, and like, I'm, you know, myself, like being Gen X, like, you know, having turned 40 this year, like I, you know, I, my co you know, my co-host likes to go, uh, you know, like buy Legos and, you know, like when we hang out in like the, the kids toy aisle, you know, I'm looking around, I was like, you know what, this shit was not like this when I was a kid, you know, like it is like with, I, and I think with the visibility of like queer and trans people, um, the fierce gendering of children has become even more like vehement, um, you know, because, and, yeah. and in the, you know, in kind of like the hippy dippy self-actualizing seventies, you know, it was like, Hey, you know, like we want, uh, we want kind of like general gender neutral toys that like are, you know, boys and girls can play with, you know, there's like a famous ad of a little girl with like a, you know, big Lego thing that she's built that she's very proud of. Cause it's like, you know, like nobody was saying like Legos are just for boys or something, but you know, now like, um, things have become more specialized and like, you know, so anything for girls is, like, really fucking pink. Yeah, no, I get you. I was gonna say, like, can I tell you, like, my weird, like, idea theory about, like, why that is and, like, the gender changes in our culture? Please do. As, like, a historian that studies these things. So, like, a, wa- a little bit ago on, like, Twitter and then, like, ironic left discourse, TM, um, there was this thing going around about, like, parasocial, like, the parasocial. Yes. And for, like, two months, everyone was talking about the parasocial and then it immediately went away. And like being a historian, like I I didn't like that. Like, and I I don't. And I actually really disagreed with that that idea because like the parasocial argues you know, these media figures, television, Twitter that like we look at, and like because we are so alone and isolated, we like act like they're our friends. But like as a historian of gender and sexuality, like I just can't buy that idea because like when I like go through my day, right, like. I am on Twitter and I am cultivating my presentation of myself. It's not false. It's not inauthentic. When I go to like work or like when I go anywhere in the city, like any, anytime I do anything, like I'm constantly building and constructing. And honestly, it was easier to be a trans woman like 40 years ago for many trans women who are like upper class and like white, because like 40 years ago, if you were trans, I honestly think it would be easier to like live as a woman and like transition because just like, I don't know, from the accounts I've read, it was like this thing that like would honestly for many trans women and like not even 40 years ago, but like, let's say in like the 1950s or 1960s that you would only really like tell your wife. Yeah, you couldn't be out, Mm -hmm. but you could be a woman with your wife in like this really cultivated and constrained environment where like the 888 plan was very solid, very strong and very aggressive. Mm -hmm. And my issue with like this idea of the parasocial and I'm going to get how it relates to gender in just like a second is that like, I really don't think that like we're living in like an age of like hyper isolation. I really think that we're living in an age that is just like overwhelmingly social and like people are desperately trying to like react to that. And you see in like these little Tumblr groups where like people who like look at out the world, like look out 
side and like see the world around them and they're like queer in some way right Mm -hmm. but then they see like older trans women like maybe like me or like someone else that they just cannot relate to because we're living in this moment where everything through like digital media or because of like the personal angst we feel and like the personal frustration we feel having to manage all of these different relationships and like pressures and stress that other human beings like just never had to know like it causes us to like retract and I really think that like the isolation that we're pointing to is not so much like the condition as is as it is like an self-enforced symptom it's like when someone recoils or like a muscle recoils when it like feels pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why that connects to gender is because the sharpening of gender divisions over time is connected to the multiplication and division of gender identity and gender categories. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I'm totally okay with it. I'm indifferent. I'm historic. I'm a historian. <laughs> like it's just my job to look at it. Right. But like there was a move in like the seventies towards this idea of like the unisex, um, Mm-hmm. And there was, like, some speculation that things would just be moving to, like, kind of this either, like, hermaphroditic or neutered, like, world that the hippies imagined in, like, the 70s. Yeah, it's, I remember it's, like, this ca- being, this returned as kind of a, a small moral panic in um, kind of, like, anti-PC conservatism in the 90s. It was like, oh, well, and, you know, it still pops up now and again. Oh, they just want you to, they want to take away your dick. They just want you to be, like... You know, <laughs> uh, this genderless gray THX one one three eight thing, but yeah, yeah, like, but it's, oh gosh, it's a hysteria. But I'm sorry, you were saying. I'm sorry, but like, I cannot believe we just made like a THX one one three eight like reference. <laughs> that was so good. Oh my god, I haven't thought about that in so long. <laughs> okay, um, but um, yeah, there was like that like fear. That's what we would become. But like, quite frankly, like, it's like a dumb thing to say, but I really think it's true. Like. Things are terrifying. Things are overwhelming. And like, if you're queer, the amount of work you have to do to present and the amount of times you have to think about your presentation, like just like every single hour, every single minute, every single interaction, there's so much of it. And especially when like you can just like go on your phone and see trans women who are perfect and beautiful and pass wonderfully. Or like if you're genderqueer and you don't really pass that well, or like if you're trans and you don't pass in the way you want to, like that like amount of angst and frustration on top of like all the other stresses of daily life like that drives people crazy like yeah i don't know i also think that like part of it is that like if you're trans and you look around and like you see like just like the death of like black trans women like you don't want to be trans right you know what i mean like you feel guilty like i personally feel guilty and like shame all the time because like i know like living in dc like I'm not going to get shot because I'm a trans woman, but like people living like a mile from my house, like have and will. And there's like a certain amount of guilt. And if you're very young, you don't want to belong to that. You don't want to belong to this group of people that is disempowered and weak and full of contradictions and has terrible people in it. And like some good people in it, you don't want to belong to. So what do you do? Like you live very much the same way, but you can like shape your own identity. And I'm not really mad about that and I kind of support it, but that's going to scare people and that's going to scare capital. Mm-hmm. That's going to scare the people with the money. That's going to scare the people with the power because they don't want that to happen because they're dumb and they take the frustrations of like the poor and the weak masses seriously. And yeah, so I don't know. I well, just really don't. 
yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, well, I was going to say, like, and, you know, you see, like, um, you know, if we're talking about, like, the, um, you know, capital and identity, I mean, you know, just having come through, like, pride season, you know, capital will embrace it to the degree that they can sell you something having to do with it. You know, it's not because they give a shit. Like, it's... Yeah, not at all. And, like, but that is also, I like, once again, like, I really just, I want to, like, drive this point home because I think it's important, like, we see it in, like, this film. Sorry, this is, like, a hard idea to articulate, but, like, Nong Tum and her transition and her, like, being woman was accelerated and, like, allowed because of the immediate, envi- the immediate environment that she was living in and the immediate environment that, like, she was existing in. Mm-hmm. But the older trans woman that we see in the film, because there's also, we forgot to mention it earlier, but there's an older trans woman that she, like, encounters in the film. Um, yes, yeah. That can, like, failed. And so, like, in the film, like, there's this implicit message that, like, living in, like, the moment that Nong Tum does, like, she can succeed, partly because of, like, her skill, but also, like, definitely because of, like, the media frenzy around her transness. And because of that media frenzy, there's, like, more focus just, like, quite literally, like, on what you look like and what you are than there might have been, like, four centuries ago in Thailand when there was no such thing as medical transition. And all you really had were, like, lipsticks and, like, eyeshadows that you could make with what was around you. Yeah. Um, and what would be important then was, like, just, like, how you behaved and how you talked and how you interacted with people rather than, like, necessarily, like, the immediate presentation um and i don't know i just think that's a really interesting like implicit message in the film that like absolutely supports like the neoliberal hellscape that trans women currently live in where like you can transition you can be so many different things that we never even thought of before and there are all these different types of like being a certain gender being a certain identity and like i'm not saying any of those are invalid at all Mm -hmm. but capital is encouraging that process in some way Um, in the same way that capital can encourage that process to retract and, and to shrink back up and to become more violent. And we can, and those processes can happen at the exact same time and often like in this dialogue with each other. Yeah. And in particular, like, um, you know, living in the society that we do now where everything is, um, you know, there is such a wealth of information and, everything is interconnected and which is like truly a mixed bag because you have um i mean you know we talked about like the tumblr kids for example i mean they they um i mean and the 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 boulderization of of tumblr was just like a fucking huge crime in my opinion i let i literally deleted all three of my accounts and left the platform because of it you know because it's like hey you know this was a great space especially for these marginalized people but you know like fuck us i guess you know um yeah and so and it's like what you were saying earlier about how you know in some strange respects like maybe it was easier to, to transition like 40 years ago you know because you're um you know, like, yeah, you had less information and access, but now it's like you have, like, all the information, but you also have, like, all the scrutiny. And we really live in an era kind of, like, you know, defined by the... And I know I'm not saying anything that somebody smarter hasn't already said before me, but um, so maybe you guys can tell me, like, what academic concept I'm uh, I'm butchering right now. But, you know, like, living in an era of, like, 
the hyper real and like hyper scrutiny um, and, you know, an era of Photoshop um, where every detail of a person's body can get picked over with like digital clarity. It's like that is, yeah. that's a fucking brutal like, time about that. to live for, to live in. Yeah. Do you want to hear a crazy statistic that I found? Please, please do. <laughs> okay. So. In, like, 1966, Johns Hopkins Medical University did, like, a panel on SRS, right? Mm -hmm. And they talked about the transgender suicide rate. And in that panel, they said that the transgender suicide rate out of, like, 400 trans people they interviewed in, like, 1966 mm -hmm. um, was 29% mm. for every trans like, person they talked to. And that is out of, like, trans men and trans women. And today, the suicide rate is more than 50% for AMAB trans women or, like, non-binary trans women, and is, like, 36% for, like, AFAB, a, like, yeah, AFAB, like, trans men or non-binary men. Jesus. Like, the suicide rate up. And quite frankly, like, you can say, like, oh, maybe it's just because we have more information, but I don't even know. Like, just constantly talked about, like, it used to be that, like, the only times a trans woman we mentioned was, like, every 10 or 20 years once in the press, maybe. Um, now, it's, like, every month, like, the Trump is going to tweet some bullshit about trans women. Like, and yeah. honestly, like other historians that I've talked to about it, like they do that thing where they're like, you know, I, I bet it hasn't gotten worse. I bet we just know more. But like, I don't believe that. I don't buy that. And I'm not going to like, I mean, it might be true, but we also have to just consider that maybe things have gotten worse. Like, yeah, we, we can be out and we can be open and we can like talk about it. But like, I don't know the statistics of like, what is it like already like 13 black trans women killed this year and i know people whose names are not on that list like yeah it's not complete and things have gotten worse and that's another thing that i just think like we have like no capacity to understand is that it's not like we like it's very like easy to be like yeah history is not like this straight line of like from bad mm -hmm. to worse but i think it's really hard for like people like especially queer people or like people who just like are marginalized or like literally oppressed you're just getting shot and like murked like yeah i think that they might have it worse than like 50 60 years ago and i'm not saying that what existed then was better or like we should go back to it i'm not a conservative reactionary <laughs> but like i think it's legitimate to like understand that like our position has become more strenuous and dependent upon the whims of others in the same way that every other person's position has become more like dependent upon the whims of like a syphilitic like moron. Yeah. No, no. And like, absolutely. And like, I actually, I, I think you're correct. And I think that, you know, I don't think that it's a, a case of like, maybe this is just getting reported more. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all in, um, you know, in a, in a world where most of us are living our lives online, um, and micromanaging like every aspect of our identity and, you know, aspects of our identity are being monetized, like to, uh, degrees that we don't even know, Yeah. you know, um, a huge reason I stopped using Facebook after the Cambridge Analytica thing broke. Cause I was like, okay, fuck all y'all, you know, um, <laughs> and we, most of us don't even know like that these, and you know, I'm probably fooling myself. Like my, my data is probably fucking being collected right now. There's probably an NSA guy listening to this. Like, hi bro. Um, yo, what up? How I, you doing? <laughs> I hope you like the show, buddy. Um, you like, like with all of us living under so much scrutiny, you know, imagine how it is for for people 
being forced to micromanage their identity um, for approval from society. Yeah. And certainly we all feel like, you know, social pressures uh, to behave. That's just the nature of being like a, a human being, like a social creature. But, you know, in, uh, in the world where like transition is very heavily like medicalized and it's like, you have to get like this note from this doctor, these people have to sign off from this. Like we need like these results before we can move you forward to the next stage. Like it's, it's no wonder that people like crack under the strain. Yeah, I mean, like, and anybody would, like, I mean, like, I, like, I don't even know, like, if I, like, I know so many trans people who just, like, stop transitioning temporarily because, like, the first, like, six months of transition are just, like, probably the worst, um, mm -hmm. and to be in that is, like, the worst because, like, you literally, like, you lose every single friend or at least, like, maybe keep, like, three or four friends. You may lose your entire family um right you may lose your job you may mm -hmm. or like start having definite issues at work your life becomes infinitely more harder and infinitely more difficult in every single possible way in a thousand ways that like cis people can't even literally imagine or, or think about and like small tasks become absolutely impossible and of course when something like that happens like i mean what does a person do in that situation like you 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 try your very best and like Nong Toom had this amazing kind of like thing that allowed her to make it, you know, like her, her talent with boxing and like the film is inspirational. It's beautiful. It's dramatic. And like, it's campy in a fun way. But mm -hmm. what I really like about it is that like, if you like are watching with a critical eye, like it clearly has like the message that like she could do this because she was just naturally like talented and incredible and it's kind of neoliberal in that way because like thailand like is a neoliberal country and these filmmakers were working for like an audience that is like lay kind of like liberal in their ideology and so like if you're mm -hmm. like kind of a critical trans person you can watch this and be like yeah like good for her but like what are like where would she have gone if like one person who was like a transphobic tourist like ran into her at a bar and groped her because like that's what matters for trans women because like even one bad event you'll got you might die like it, it's that fragile for a lot of people yeah her story is remarkable but it is the exception it is never the rule and i don't know it's a pleasure to watch but i i think that like it's a movie you know it's a story and she's incredible but like she is a lot like any other visible trans woman like a remarkable exception that is really important to keep in mind because um there's a scene, like, when the movie starts off, she's being pursued by a journalist who wants to interview mm -hmm. her. And he's in, in a motif which is repeated uh, later in the film, in Tomb's Journey, um, he's basically pursuing a beautiful, long, flowing head of hair with a flower, you know, through the crowd. And then he bumps into a guy, gets into some trouble, and in like kind of a fairy tale like hero intervention um tomb jumps in and just kicks the guy's ass and yeah. saves the journalist yeah she beats yeah is... she beats the shit out of like five guys like <laughs> like slow motion in heels like in a red like dress like that's overpowered girl but like i don't know we stand it it was good yeah it's very movie magic and mm -hmm. uh 
you know, imagination and fantasy. Like, you know, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And, you know, she's set up from the beginning that it's so long before we actually see her face. You know, yeah. she's uh, uh, this mysterious, like, um, ephemeral presence at first to the journalist. Um, and then we see, you know, like a very, like, uh, well-posed hand with a, a beautiful manicure, you know, um, the applied lipstick. We don't see her face. We hear her voice first. She begins to tell her story. And then gradually we see, like, more and more of her, um, which is it, which is kind of interesting because like it sets her up as like um, it gives her like these mythic proportions like right from the beginning. Um, so yeah, it is it is a um, you know obviously like every I mean personally like every historical film to me is is bullshit. I mean my favorite movie is Lawrence of Arabia. Like that movie is like mostly yeah. horseshit. But, you know, still, like, a fantastic movie, you know, definitely worth watching. Um, so, you know, obviously there's the the real story of, of Tomb is, is going to be very different from the narrative of Beautiful Boxer. But on one level, does it matter? But it's very well made, and especially in the... Um, there's something about the boxing scenes which are very simple in staging uh, compared to... Um, what we expect from, say, Hollywood, like, post-Matrix yeah. films, you know, and post the big boom of um, awareness of martial, martial arts films um, in the, you know, the last 20 years. But um, they, there's something about their, like, choreography and, like, the smack of the sounds that's, like, you know, it isn't just, like, real, it's realistic and also, like, really convincing and, like, they're very well done. Yeah, I like that. It's also just like a really pretty film to watch. It has a really different palette than I think we're used to seeing in a lot of film about trans people. Um, it's really colorful. It's kind of exciting. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, it's a fun film to watch. And it has kind of like the same vibe that like a lot of like foreign films that are a little older have. But mm -hmm. I think it really pulls it off well. And I think it's like a pleasant viewing experience for anyone who just wants to like watch kind of an interesting film about an incredible woman and wants like a good old fashioned classics, like story of an underdog. Like it's, it's a good film for that reason. Yeah. Do you think that it, um, do you think that this film was helped at all by the kind of blossoming of um, mixed martial arts and the awareness of Muay Thai like overseas? Yeah. Like, Absolutely. I'm not sure if, like, the film, like, that's a hard question, because I don't know, like, I don't have the numbers, and I haven't really looked at it. I don't know if, like, the film itself was helped, but, like, I do know that, mm -hmm. like, Thailand has, like, definitely benefited from, like, the growth in, like, fighting sports, like, over time. Um, I know that, like, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, like, Nong Tum was used as, like, an advertisement in fighting, and to, like, re, like, encourage, like, a res resurgence an interest in like fighting in thailand because she was like this exotic mm -hmm. thing that you could draw people into like having like interesting people with like a lot of like very clear and deep weaknesses even if they're like a trans mm -hmm. woman like that's appealing to the kind of person who like gets interested in, in in boxing um i'm not sure like what i'm not sure how like aware people in the states are of like this film or like her story at like all i'm pretty sure that it's only really made an impact in like the sundance audience and it has mm -hmm. won a few awards from like the gay and lesbian like film review um like as far as that i really like honestly i feel like this film is like kind of underappreciated and 
not really known that well. I mean, like, what if, like, Caitlyn Jenner came out with, like, a biopic? Like, how many people would watch that? Like, I think it's kind of, like, an analog to that. I mean, like, I would definitely watch it. I would, like, get sloppy drunk and have popcorn and watch like. <laughs> Well, I'd watch it in the way that I'm going to watch Cats, where it's like, oh boy, let's see this fucking train Let's see what's going to happen here. God, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, um, but, but, but that's funny. Like, you know, like, just to just to speculate, like, if, if they had, like, a fucking, like, Caitlyn Jenner biopic. Oh my like, God. They'd probably, you know, it would cost, like, about, it costs like, 50 million to make, you know, they get, like, a really big star to play her, you know, and then it would everything that money can buy you know because it's being it would be made in the united states would be thrown at that you know and then you have a a movie like this where it's like i'm sure like the you know the economic realities of filmmaking in thailand are like way fucking different you know but the first scene of a i'm sorry the first scene of like a caitlin jenner biopic made like this film instead of like nong tomb saving the life of a journalist by like beating up like six (laughs) men it would be fucking caitlin jenner hitting like six men with her car to like save the journalist coming to interview her like oh my fucking god if like if they did that then it might actually be a good movie like it was like this if it was this deeply like um cynical portrait of like a grasping rich person then it would, f- it would it might be the best movie ever made but it would, I would probably like, really be watch that. oh yeah it would be um you know like a lot and i'm really not a big fan of the biopic genre um usually because it's so they're they you know they tend to be sanitized and sentimentalized um they're disingenuous not to say there haven't been good biopics, it's just that I think they're rare. Um, and it's interesting, like, watching this one, like, how positively I responded to it, because it absolutely is sentimental, but maybe in a world which is, you know, so cruel to people like Tomb Horn, as fortunate as she is, like, maybe it's just like, ah, you know, that was just really bracing to watch, you know? And, um, like, one scene that really stuck with me was um, the one that... Uh, stems from the betrayal of her friend when um you know a good friend of hers for the boxing training camp that she attended uh meets with her and kind of does this emotionally manipulative thing where you know like he implies that oh you know something's wrong but oh no it's not important and she's like no you can tell me and then uh cut to them fighting against each other at a tournament and tomb isn't doing too well um she's not her usual self and her trainer uh gets mad at her in the corner and he's like what are you trying to throw this match and she's like yeah but his mother is sick and then he's like dude did she get resurrected like i just fucking went to her funeral last month and tomb realizes she's been lied to and her friend is trying to throw the match and you know literally thunder comes in and the rain starts and the audience begins fleeing <laughs> the the you know from around the ring because there's this huge downpour and then tomb just goes and starts like pummeling him because you know she's so angry she's been betrayed and they basically pummel each other to a standstill they both fall to the floor of the they fall to the mat and you know she like he stays on the ground but she gets up and just walks away slowly and like the you know her trainer like stops uh his assistance from like interfering at all and then the scene you know which has been like all like slow motion or mostly slow motion up to this point just kind of ends with a fade 
And I literally rewound and watched the scene again because I just love the ambiguity of that ending, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like there's no real resolution to this betrayal. It's like you realize that people that you really cared about and were kind to are, you know, have their own motives. And there's like actually a little bit of dialogue about match fixing within um, Muay Thai. Um, and the were the phrase is well a real ma- would a real man fix a match which you know again plays into the um you know the fluidity of the you know the gender like things that are going on in tomb's world you know it's like she's fighting like a man to become a woman to put it in like a really like that was very poetic succinct yeah yeah like um and i j- just see it that was it it was the fate it was the ambiguity as she wa- as the scene ends and she walks away that just like f- fucking killed me. I was like, that is so good. Like, yeah. Just no like, I love that. It, 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 Cause I mean, and you know, not sounds corny, but I'm like, bro, that's life, man. Bro, you know, like sometimes life. you just walk away and there's no fucking resolution, bro. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and like that, I mean, that's something that the film does like really well. Like I, I like the narrative because like, it's like her reflecting. And what I think that does is that like, it's not really something that you might see, I don't know, like in a lot of like modern Western media or like especially like trans narratives where like a trans mm-hmm. person is telling their story about themselves with their literal own voice. Like that never happens. It's usually just like a regular film with like just, you know, like not any like person actually kind of like directing and narrating it. And you see mm-hmm. that a few times, not like necessarily with the fade, but like I but like where there's like a specific conflict that's like brought up and then like the person never has like any kind of justice served towards them like the monk at the monastery or like her father like they have different relationships but these things just kind of like evolve and are continuous like threads that like nong tomb has to like manage throughout the rest of her life um yeah and that's something that i think is like really good about it and i'm not sure like i would classify that as like making it like a coming of age story because i really don't think mm-hmm. it is it's like a becoming woman story um mm-hmm. but there are definitely it like it does progress with her as she gets older because like as she matures she like matures into a woman but it is also mm-hmm. through this process of like taking on these increasingly like masculine like roles and i honestly like I mean, like, quite frankly, that's, like, the experience of a lot of trans women I I know who've had, who've, like, transitioned, like, where they've had to, like, work to get a certain degree of, like, independence first. And Mm -hmm. then, but then, in the same way, like, they're also bought into, like, the system that continues to keep other trans women down. Um, Right. Yeah, and, like, you see that with, like, Caitlyn Jenner and, like, Nong Tum as well, because, once again, there's that older trans woman, like, in the movie that Nong Tum sees, like, who has kind of like failed in some way where like she has transitioned and she was trying to like love a man, but he rejected her because she was trans and because she had like the operation. Um, And because I don't remember if it like messed up in some way or if the man just rejected her, but there was something like that she had like failed to do. And it was kind of like this burden. But what Nong Toon focused on is like she had failed, but also she was at one point like a beautiful woman and at one point was like valued and seen as a woman and Nongtum doesn't fail in that same way and so she's like inheriting this kind of like she's inheriting a lot of different mantles as like the son of like a poor family 
and then the daughter of a poor family, but also as like a trans woman who has seen what she could become. And that's a very like common thing for a lot of trans women who are like who are suffering in the way that you might have at one point or you might like end up suffering like. And that is an incredible feeling. Like, and like it's a really like hard situation to be in, like when I'm out in public and then just walking around. It's a really hard place to be in. And Nong Tum has that moment and she sees it. And for me, like that was maybe one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when she was like in this older trans woman, like this older trans woman like, kind of knows um but it's never like really clearly like articulated she's just kind of there with her um but they do talk about the past in a way that is like very trans and i mean that's also realistic and that's another thing like i just have to give this movie props for is like the really like real feelings and experiences that trans people have that like a lot of films that focus more on like getting your dick removed or like not being able to fuck the woman you want to fuck like it captures those experiences like between trans women where you see someone and you're like, I don't want to become you, but I am you. And I, I am afraid of inheriting your faith. I am like you, but I know that we can never like voice this to each other. Like that is an incredibly rare thing. And quite frankly, I don't think I've ever seen that in another film where like, let alone like films where trans women talk to each other. Like, God, that's, that's rare enough on its own. And to have that in this film in like 2001, that's incredible. Yeah. Something which was apparently made by like a, you know, um, a cis director and with a, a cis man playing the lead role has somehow succeeded in ways that maybe movies made in a more quote unquote woke time have like failed. That's, that's like, you know, I have to give them props for being like that, you know, compassionate about it you know like um, i think they did a i was gonna say one of the things i actually think they that was good about these is that like i really feel there wasn't as much like pressure like i don't think they were like when they were making this film they weren't making this film to like give space to like trans bodies they were giving this they were making this film because like she was an incredible person and she had a boxing career and that's what you do when you're an important boxer you become an actor like it's a career move and i think that like like that kind of thing cannot be done in Western media culture. And it's good because yeah, trans people aren't your career move, but at the same time, you know that like the response of like people making movies is to try to like articulate this thing about transness that they Mm -hmm. cannot because they are not trans. And because of that, they will fail when if you're just trying to like make a, like what is almost like a mythic hero pick about a boxer Mm-hmm. If that's what you're trying to do, you can succeed because, like, that's a realistic goal, and it's kind of secondary if they're cis or if they're trans, and that's what I really think. Like, allowed the film to like shine as like a story about a trans person, like boxer who did something incredible, who is also trans, and it's not, and like, it's not that you can't talk about being trans. It's that it's it's not trying to put forward. It's it has a lot of deeper meaning, but it's not like it, it's not the same as if you tried to make something like that today. Like in the Danish girl. Um like Nong Tum's not gonna like the actor who played Nong Tum is not gonna go and do an interview about like what it's like to play a trans woman. They're just gonna like do their job, you know? Like And that's um that's one thing that I wanna mention that I found when I was um reading up about the movie. Um uh Tum was played by Asani Suan, who is uh a Muay Thai fighter um, has acted a little bit um, and again is uh, cisgender male and 
plays the role so sweetly and convincingly like it really it really comes across like so well in spite of the fact that you know he is a cis man and i think it has a lot to do with the fact that the the director told him i'm paraphrasing how he put it but he's like you know you have to play this as if you know that you are a woman if you play this role as if you're someone trying to act like a woman you're not going to to get it you know yeah and so the way the performance comes across is like yes this is a person um slowly like revealing their true self not someone who is kind of putting on like a burlesque of femininity or you know some kind of a drag show like it just comes from it comes from the inside out and you know obviously that's kind of what you want to get with acting so um that goes a long way towards like selling the movie and there aren't even like i don't even think that in thai culture you have to worry about like doing like a drag show of a trans woman i think that really helps too like 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 a male actor you've probably done drag like maybe one or two times especially if you're interested in taking the role of a trans woman but then that's gonna yeah. absolutely inform how like you think of trans women and how, and how you act the trans women but like if you're in thai culture and that does not exist like you got no problem there and if you what yeah. you have is a person who's cursed by god like or your god <laughs> buddha like that's a thing that you can understand because it's a more sympathetic problem like everyone understands like having to deal with like their body and like the things that they have been given and everyone has like these certain problems that they feel like are these curses that they're being tested with and that's a really Mm -hmm. relatable thing and is honestly like i think it's easier to act rather than like thinking that rather than like trying to literally like perform femininity if you're just trying to like act in a role where you feel given that is particularly painful especially in like the culture of boxing where the body is constantly like the clear limit but also Mm -hmm. the tool that you use to win yeah man this is such a like god this movie is so thematically rich and i feel like we've like barely touched on it but um i would encourage (laughs) i would encourage everyone to go out and uh check it out just because it's so um it's so interesting to see a trans story as it was told before um you know from hey 15 years ago you know and um to see that we um i don't i don't know if we've moved forward necessarily since then but you know you guys can tell me check it out um julia thank you so much for bringing this to me i really enjoyed watching it and discussing it but is there anything that you want to leave people with about uh beautiful boxer um i don't know watch beautiful boxer it's a great film (laughs) and like i don't know have like i don't know i think that people should just like make sure to like have some kind of like historical sympathy for people like them that came before that might not have used the same language that we do now i think that's important that's all i gotta say i guess i can roll with that um (laughs) is there anywhere that uh you know if we were um you know maybe like myself like completely unfamiliar with the with uh thailand muay thai um the experience of trans people in thailand um is there anything that you recommend that we check out in addition to beautiful boxer um there's a bunch of documentaries that you can look out but like honestly this i would recommend like actually an an oh god i have like so many ideas okay um <laughs> beautiful boxer is good but 
there's like a couple really short documentaries on YouTube that you can look up and watch, and like they're pretty. Like if you're just like a lay viewer, if you want to get more into it, go to JSTOR and literally just read everything you see. Um, and then you get <laughs> the historical literature. If you're like interested in the beautiful bo- in beautiful boxer, I would honestly, and you like like it, and you want something more like that, I would recommend watching this film called Adam Bardafi. You can find it for free online. It's a Persian film about um, a guy who's forced to cross-dress but also falls in love. And it's really interesting, and it's comedy. Um, that's something I'd recommend maybe looking at if you're interested in, you know, something a little more. Um, but also, Nong Toom has a bunch of interviews and, like, compilations of her fight. And she has, like, other things like that that I would def- definitely recommend looking at. They're all, like, super interesting and she's been published a lot about and like written a lot about. So you can just like find her online at like search Nong Tomb. Yeah, you can see a lot of her. You can actually see a lot of her fights and stuff on uh, on YouTube. Um, people have put those up. Um, she also does have a cameo in Beautiful Boxer as the beautician who uh, gives herself uh, her first hormones, <laughs> which is which is kind of a cool my little, fucking uh, little queen. Twist. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like just like a nice little like just like a perfect little cameo moment oh wait uh, sorry can i say one her. more thing yeah yeah that's another thing i wish we could have like had time to talk about but like hormones and like steroids like trans women using like hormones to like make their body what they want and like boxers using steroids i just think that's interesting that's another thing that like is in the film like and also circumvents like the Western discourse on like what exactly counts as body modification. But we could talk about that like, oh, forever. Yeah. So I just wanted to bring that up. But anyway, that's all I really got to say. Yeah, no, absolutely. This movie is like just it's this movie is a buffet of like just like fascinating themes. Like I could probably talk about it for another couple of hours, but yeah. I'm really glad to have found it. Uh, Julia, thank you again so much for coming on. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Mm-hmm.